while the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know we're for. We're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. How's it going this morning? It is so good to see you. If I've not gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Joy Gonzalez, and I am the campus pastor here at Uptown Church. And it's so great to be worshiping with you. Like Jake said earlier, whatever is going on in your week, whether you've had a great week, a terrible week, or some combination um, of the two, we are glad that you're here. And, and, and I just want to say you are welcome here. Not only whatever's going on in your week, but whatever, wherever you are in your faith, whether you feel like you believe in God, you're not sure what you believe in. In the name of Christ, you're welcome here, and we're glad to be worshiping with you. Um, we are starting a new series today called Bigger Table, and hence why I've got this little prop behind me. Um, is it making anyone hungry for brunch? Yes, especially since we started an hour later today. I'm like ready to eat. Um, as I was thinking about this series and pondering the table and eating things like brunch, this uh, memory came to mind from like a decade ago. In 2011, in the summer time, my grandfather, my dad's father, became really ill. And he had received a pretty bad diagnosis from his doctors. And so my parents and our whole family, we decided, you know, we're going to go visit him and see him. We don't know what this health journey is going to be like. And honestly, if we were going to have very many more chances to be with him in this life. And so we packed up our car and did a good old-fashioned road trip. My mom, my dad, and all of their adult children... Um, a decade ago, I was not a kid, I, I was an adult, but we still got in the car and went on a good old-fashioned road trip because my grandparents live way up in the mountains in Idaho, and so you have to take like three planes and still drive there, so we just decided to drive there. Anyway, as we were preparing for our long trek across the U.S., I remember my dad kept like scouring the garage and our home for fishing poles. See, he and his dad loved to fish. It was their thing. Um, they did it separately, but it was something special that they did together. And my dad kept talking about, oh, I can't wait to fish with my dad. I hope to get in some good days fishing with my dad. And he went to the store and bought more fishing poles, even though we already had a million fishing poles. And I'm not a big outdoor enthusiast, so I was a little annoyed by all the fishing talk. Um, plus, you know, with Grandpa being sick, I thought, man, there's probably some other important things we need to do than just fish. But what I didn't know, and what you probably know if you're an outdoor enthusiast, is that fishing was not about fishing for my dad. Fishing is never about fishing. 
See, for my dad, fishing with his dad represented quality time. Fishing for him was in a time of encounter and exchange with those he loved most, a a moment of transformation for his life. Those moments were times that made him, throughout the years, who he was. And so when he talked about fishing with my grandpa, that is what he was talking about Fishing had very little to do with fishing. It's the same in our lives because aren't there things in our lives that really this thing is actually about that thing? It's not really about the thing you're doing but about what happens during that activity. I think for you and I, oftentimes that's eating. Coming to the table for a meal, for whether it's lunch or brunch or dinner, with whomever it is, there's something that happens at the table that is about more than eating. I mean, if I asked you to tell me what is or what was one of your most wonderful meals that you've ever had, chances are you would not sit back and tell me about some dish that you ate. You wouldn't probably go into immense detail about what you actually consumed at the table. Now, you, you might mention a favorite recipe or two, but I would bet that you would go into probably great description telling me of a moment you sat across the table with somebody that you cared about somebody that you loved and the way in which it deeply impacted your life. Maybe so much so that you would say, I don't even know what we ate, but that moment, that time, that changed everything. There's power in coming around the table. There's something about coming together for a meal that does more to nourish our souls and our beings than our bodies. In fact, there are studies that show that if children are raised in a home with frequent family dinners, they have a greater um, chance for success in their life. That is all around success, greater academic success, career, social, emotional, um, spiritual development. The number one factor for raising healthy kids is frequent family dinners, the table is a place for transformation and powerful exchange in our lives. And so much happens there. The amazing thing is that Jesus understood this. And so when Jesus came into the world to show us who God was and to make clear what God's vision for the world was or what we sometimes call the kingdom of God, Jesus sat at a table, a table maybe that looked like this. In fact, the gospel writer, Luke, he often, when he recounts the life and ministry of Jesus, he always shows Jesus either coming from a table, going to a meal, at a meal, or talking about eating and being at a meal. Jesus was kind of like a first century foodie, you know? He could jive at Uptown Church. You know, he does, because this is the church. Anyway, But Jesus knew the power of the table. And so he often gathered around the table with people and leaned into its power for transformation. 
But the incredible thing is, is that Jesus didn't just eat with people and then talk about the kingdom of God or the way of God in the world. It was at the very table that Jesus initiates the kingdom of God in the world. It's like Jesus is saying, do you want to know what God is like? Do you want to know what God's heart is for the world? Do you want to know the way in which God is calling us to live? Join me at the table and I will show you. Jesus ate a lot. And that's why we're doing this sermon series. Because in this season that we're entering, where we're going to be coming around the table, maybe you're already making your Thanksgiving grocery list. Anybody else? Yes, I only bring rolls. So there you go. But as we prepare to come around tables once again, we want to reclaim the power of the table to transform our lives and to show us what it means to be a people who claim God's vision for the world. Now, to do that, I want to show you a picture of probably one of the most famous tables. Who can um, pinpoint this? You guys know what painting this is? This is Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper, probably one of the most famous paintings of all time, let alone the most famous depictions of people eating at a table of all time. And this painting, I think, is for us the best picture of what Jesus did around the table. This painting captures the heart of the kingdom of God probably like nothing else does. Here's what I mean. Let me tell you who is at this table. So you've got Jesus in the center of this table. But sitting with Jesus, you have these two guys, Andrew and Peter. And Andrew and Peter were first century fishermen. They became disciples of Jesus, but that was really strange in the first century because Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. And for Jesus to become a Jewish rabbi, that was like the equivalent of him going to medical school like times two. You had to know and memorize the entire like Jewish law and Torah. You had to be well-versed in it, a good communicator. I mean, Jesus was kind of smart. And so Jesus is this, this distinguished rabbi who comes on the world scene, and then he invites a few fishermen to follow him. And fishermen in Jesus' day, they, they were uneducated people. They did that job because they couldn't do anything else. They probably had quit school around the equivalent of fifth grade today, and they would not have been the people any other rabbis would have called to follow them because they just, they wouldn't have made the cut. But then Jesus calls them to come and sit at his table, to follow him, to be his disciples. And for a rabbi to say, you can be my disciple, was to say, you can know the things I know and you can do the things I do. And that is who he chose. Then Jesus invites to his table a man named Simon. Now, Simon was often called Simon the Zealot because he was a part of this religious political party, the Zealots, who were these Jewish leaders who were all for a violent overthrowing of the Roman Empire. See, the Roman Empire lorded over the Jewish people. And, and so Simon, his whole ideal of the kingdom of God coming into the world was getting rid of those bad people, the enemies, and then doing it our way. 
And so he was all for like, uh, like let's coup, let's take it over, um, let's violently overthrow it if we have to, but let's get rid of them. On the flip side, you have Matthew. Matthew also was a Jewish young man, but he was a tax collector, which meant he was employed by the Roman Empire to collect taxes from his people, which were at that time about 90% of their income was being taxed by the Roman Empire. To make matters worse, most tax collectors, and probably Matthew too, would charge a little extra interest, you know, like an admin fee, and just kind of put it in their pockets. So he's basically working for Simon's enemy and then taking off some off the top for himself. Matthew and Simon probably did not like each other at all and were in direct opposition on about everything. But Jesus brings them to the same table which made probably for a very awkward dinner for our friend Thaddeus, who sat in between them. Friends, let's be serious. We have all been Thaddeus at a Thanksgiving dinner, okay? We have all sat between the two people who don't get along. We know how awkward that is. But this is who Jesus invites to the table. When Jesus is telling us, hey, this is what the kingdom of God is like, when this is what the vision of God is like for our world, for us, Jesus is saying, it looks like this. It looks like a bigger table with more people at it, but more people who don't see eye to eye, more people who are not alike, more people even if they differ from you. See, people wanted Jesus to come in and be the Messiah and build up a large empire in the name of God. And Jesus continued to insist on building bigger tables. And for him, bigger tables meant more people, even different people. Jesus, at these meals, he... um, At one particular meal he's at, he tells his disciples this. He says, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Because if you do, they might invite you back and then they'll be able to repay you for what you've done for them. But when you give a banquet, When you host a dinner party, this is who you're supposed to invite. The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and then you will be blessed. Many scholars say that here when Jesus is saying this, he's being hyperbolic. Meaning he's not simply saying to his followers, these are the only people you can invite. He's not setting out an absolute rule, a prescription for you and I. But he's doing something really important in this moment of hyperbole and saying only invite these people. He's calling out our human nature. He's calling out in us our default invitation list. He's calling out in us who we are prone to invite when we throw a party. Because who do we think of first? Our friends, our family, 
those we like, those who are maybe more influential than us, that we hope if we rub shoulders with them, it will mean something good for us. And Jesus knows that. And he says, but if the kingdom of God is built by building bigger tables with more people, more means different. More doesn't simply mean more people like you. Scholars also say that the poor, crippled, lame, and blind were often considered the quartet of the vulnerable because they, they represented the people in the world who were most often forgotten at a table. They were most often the people who, who would not get such invitations. They were the outcasts, the downtrodden, and oftentimes they were thought to be sinners too. And so not only was it easy for people to forget them, but people were afraid of them because they assumed that they were in their state of vulnerability or being an outcast because of something they had done to make God angry or sinned. And thus, that's why they were on the outside. So these were the people that wouldn't get invited. And Jesus says, nope, bigger tables mean more people, but more people that are different than us it's incredible because Jesus' invitation was always informed by God's vision for a bigger table. Jesus didn't just invite those people who could boost his movement, though that would have been strategic. Jesus' inv invitation wasn't informed by those people who already aligned with his viewpoints. No, he knew that for God's vision to be made apparent, and present and be birthed in this world. It involved people who didn't think like him. It meant going into every corner of the world and reaching every person, even if they were thought unclean, outcast, or sinner. Friends, the same is true for us. Bigger tables, if we're going to participate in the movement of God in the world, being the people of God, bigger tables require longer guest lists, we got to open up the table, add more chairs, but it's got to be different people than we're prone to inviting. Jesus calls it out because he knows it's easiest to go to the short list of our friends, our family, our colleagues, those we like and those who are like us. But Jesus says, if you want to be the people of God, build the tables, the kingdom that God is here to build, you've got to you've got to add more people to the list and have a longer, longer guest list. Here's the thing. We, that's a challenge for us because we live in a world where tables are just getting smaller. This is God's vision for the world, a table. But this is what most of us and most of our world is living with. There's data that proves that our table is getting smaller that we are living inside or we're prone to live inside or it's easy to live inside echo chambers where we're just seeing and hearing the opinions of people who think like us. And when we do that, this is the table that we're around. And we all know what type of meal fits on this table. Not a good one. When we, when we forget to build longer guest list for bigger tables, we get stuck with this table. And this table doesn't feed us and it doesn't feed our world. We're not meant to live this life. We're meant for the meal that's made for this table. 
a substantive meal, a sustaining meal, a beautiful, transformative meal. So if we're going to be about Jesus' business, we got, we've got to build longer guest lists. In, um, I'm just going to nerd out for a moment. Anybody like Greek words like I do? If you want to build a longer guest list, here's the key to that. Invitation. The word in Luke 12 that is translated as invitation is this Greek word here, kaleo. And it means to call or invite. And it shows up 12 times in that one chapter alone in Luke, in Luke 14. It's not enough to know that everyone's invited to the table. It's not enough to know we need more people at the table. We don't get bigger tables unless we invite people to the table. The key to living and building bigger tables is you and I inviting people. Because we can sit in here and think, oh yeah, God's calling everyone to be a part of God's vision for the world. But they don't know it unless we invite them. And the table doesn't get bigger unless we invite them to come. So who are you inviting? Who are you inviting to God's table? And is it someone on the short list? Or is God stirring in your heart to veer toward the longer list, to get away from this table and get more to this table? Friends, as we close today, I'm going to invite you underneath your seat. There is an invitation place card. Maybe you've seen these. If you've gone to a fancy enough dinner, somebody will put your name on a place card because it calls out that you have been invited, that you have been prepared for, that there is a seat for you. And the incredible thing is that that's what God's done for us in Jesus. He's brought us to the table. When we were here, God invited us here and gave us a seat. So this week, I'm going to ask you, you got homework, okay? I want you to take this place card with you today. And maybe you can already think of somebody, but ask yourselves, who is God calling you to invite? Who needs to know the goodness and grace of God? Who doesn't know they have a seat at this table? Who needs to know? And I want you to write their name. There's two sides, so you can write two people, extra credit. And then I want you to pray for them. And then you know where this is going, right? Invite them. <laughs> invite them to join you here. And then take them out to brunch afterwards. Or invite them to come and sit around your table in your home and have a meal with you and have fellowship with you, knowing God is in the midst of that. But ask yourself these questions when you think about who God is inviting. One, know that it is the foundation for transformation. Invitation will not only transform them, but it will transform you. But like Jesus, we've got to be willing to make the guest list longer. So ask yourself this. Who is the person you haven't ever considered inviting to the table? Who do you think would not fit at the table? And then ask yourself this. Who is the person you have meant to invite, maybe, but you haven't yet shared the invitation? 
And let that stir up in you this invite into who God's leading you to bring. Friends, would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you and all of your goodness and your mercy for us have called us and invited us to your table. That you have invited us into your vision for the world, your love and your grace. God, when we didn't deserve it, when we weren't the right fit, when we weren't the right type of people, God, you saw us and you invited us to the table. Would you remind us of that this week, God? And would you stir in us the passion that Jesus had to continue to build bigger tables in our churches, our homes, and in the world by inviting those who are not like us, inviting those who we may not have even considered to be a part to join us at the table and to experience your goodness and your mercy and your grace. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? Visit uptownchurchdallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.